The following is a presentation of the Matt Talk Podcast Network. You are now tuned in to the PA Power Podcast, College Edition, featuring Mason Beckman and Tristan Warner. PA Power Wrestling. PA Power Wrestling. Pennsylvania is wrestling. Welcome in, wrestling fans. You are now dialed in to the PA Power College Podcast. As Jason Bryan of the Matt Talk Podcast Network said, I'm Tristan Warner, joined by my main man, as always, Mason Beckman, a.k.a. Beck Diggity. Mason, what's going on, buddy? Not much, T. Uh, Glad to be back. Everybody that listened last week, thank you. Much love for dialing in last week. And everybody that gave us feedback, it obviously is much appreciated. We're going to try to keep getting better for you and make this as enjoyable of an experience as uh, for us as it is for you. So we're going to keep having fun. We're going to keep getting better. Yeah, Mason, just like you said, we really thank everyone who listened to our first podcast. Um, really uh, glad for everyone who shared it on social media and and told their friends about it. As we said, we're going to try to keep getting these going every week or two um, and just trying to talk Pennsylvania wrestling as we always do for fun and give you guys as many answers and uh, as many topics to think about as you can. Um, we're going to start tonight's podcast on a little sad note here. Um, as some of you may have heard in the wrestling community, I'm sure most people have heard by now, uh, Chris Bentley, the head coach of Trinity out of District 3 and the longtime coach of Renegade Force Wrestling Club out in central Pennsylvania passed away this week due to a heart attack. And uh, we, everyone here at PA Power Wrestling and Mason and I send our uh, deepest condolences to the Bentley family. They've been um, incredible for the sport in Pennsylvania and have touched so many lives and helped so many kids develop. As you, as you see through social media and Twitter just exploded today in sadness and um, our prayers go out to their family. Yeah, I mean, you pretty much said it all. Anytime you lose a figure like Chris Bentley, someone that just has helped move the sport forward, both with Renegade Force and down at Trinity High School, you know, the the high school head coach of Ryan Deal and everything, um, it's a sad day. And like you said, thoughts and prayers are with the Bentley family and with all of the entire community that surrounded him. Um, It's a sad day, and we truly hope that those around him, you know, can find peace and find a way to make sense of it all but having said that on to a um, little bit of a happier note here right so let's talk wrestling first things first recruiting roundup a uh, few big name guys pennsylvania natives made their college decisions you know made the decision as to where they're going to spend the next four to five years of their lives this week uh t why don't you start us off man yeah, Mason, just to start off the recruiting roundup, Doug Zapp, one of the first commitments we saw this week, um, 106-pound AAA Pennsylvania State champ from Downingtown West, he made his commitment to University of Penn, and that's a big pickup for the Quakers and the lightweights, like I said, state champion. And one interesting thing to note about Zapp is, um, you know, a 106-pound state champ as a junior and some people may scratch their heads at that. And even, you know, 10, 15 years ago, people might think 106 as a junior, is that guy going to be big enough to fill out the 125 pound weight class? You know, there's no 118 like there used to be. Um, I honestly think the way the sport is evolving these days, there's no night before weigh in like there used to be. There's just a one hour weigh in. Guys are cutting less weight these days. 
I think that's a good pickup for them. I think someone who's going to be about a you know maybe a one one be a one thirteen pounder in his senior year. That's a perfect size to wrestle one twenty five for his career. So obviously a talented wrestler and a good pickup for Penn. Yeah, I mean number one, uh, the talent with Doug Zapp obviously is there. Uh, one hundred six pound AAA state champ. You know state champ in Pennsylvania, let alone a AAA. Um, kid's good. Kid, the talent is there. He's ceiling's definitely high. I've actually seen Doug this summer uh, about a month ago. He's a lot bigger now than he was a few months ago. He, My guess would be he'll probably wrestle 120 this coming season and try to build himself in in the weight room and everything, try to build himself into being a college 25. But I think you made a really good point about the way college wrestling is trending as far as guys don't necessarily cut as much weight, and it's more about if you're good, you're good. You know, you look at Jordan Oliver moving up his – final year at oklahoma state from 33 to 49 didn't cut nearly as much weight and obviously jordan oliver is an exceptional talent but the point is if you're good you're good and his results were very similar he was able to you know wrestle a lot more freely and not have to worry about cutting weight so moving on from doug zapp robbie patrick a two-time state runner-up at a ligonier valley committed to the university of virginia he probably projects somewhere in the middle of their lineup. My guess would be, you know, somewhere in the the 65 range. You know, he's a big, tall kid, got a big frame, maybe even higher than that. Patrick's a kid. He's a really tough, scrappy kid. Um, you know, I think he uh, has a lot of room to develop. You know, he definitely does a lot of really good things right now. But that's a kid that in years three, four, and five, you could really see start to make jumps. Yeah, Patrick's definitely tough. Uh, I believe this year he lost in the state finals to Ed Ruth's little brother, Edmund Ruth, who uh, has been a longtime kid from Iron Eagle, my club down here in District 3, who's who's on his way to perhaps being something similar to his brother. He's an extreme talent, got an incredible wrestling ability. So no shame in that loss for Patrick. And then also got a chance to watch Patrick wrestle in the uh, NHSCA Junior National Finals, where he fell to Aaron Brooks from uh, Hagerstown, Maryland, who's a really highly rated recruit coming out. I believe he was a maybe a double Fargo champ last summer. So uh, Patrick's definitely a talent and a good pickup for UVA in the middleweights, especially with the Paulson brothers coming in as coaches next year. Yeah, absolutely. And fun little fact about Edmund Ruth. He has actually already done something that his older brother Ed never did. Ed Ruth never won a Pennsylvania high school state title. That's accurate. Uh, Ed Ruth took, I believe – fifth or sixth as a sophomore and then finished i want to say fourth as a junior i think he lost to lance bryson for third his junior year and then transferred to blair academy for his senior year so there you go as a sophomore edmund ruth already a a pennsylvania state champ and also was a pennsylvania state medalist took seventh or eighth last year as a freshman and his brother big brother ed didn't qualify his freshman year so yeah edmund ruth that that speaks volumes for him yeah He's definitely projects well, so we'll see. You know, it's definitely a big billing to try to live up to Ed, but, you know, the talent's definitely there. And that kid, even if, you know, not living up to what Ed, all the things that Ed Ruth did, very, very, very few people did. So hopefully he finds his own way, makes his own identity, and he's well on his way to doing that. The uh, the third guy that we saw recruit, um, the third guy we saw commit this week was Noah Levitt out of at a Kiskey area high school, a couple times state medalist, made the state semifinals both of the past two years, I believe. Uh, he committed to Bucknell University on Saturday afternoon. So actually, Noah was one of the, the guys I coached down at uh, the Quest School of Wrestling. We were out at the Bucknell, the Bison Legend Duels. 
this weekend. Got some good wrestling. We had, our team finished second, and then Noah. Uh, about an hour after the rest of us taking off to go home, the Kiski guys stayed for camp and checked my phone, got the notification. So exciting! It's a good pickup for the Bison. You know, obviously a great school. All three of these guys, Patrick, Zaffin, Levitt, committing to not only great programs but great universities. So an exciting decision for all three of them i'm sure yeah noah levitt's a good pickup for bucknell as well like you said he was a state semifinalist this year uh ran into austin DeSanto, who of course pulled off the the historic upset of spencer lee in the finals so a tough draw for him in the semis dropped down and ended up finishing sixth place but um will definitely be a contender for a state title next year in his senior campaign and and bucknell has always had tough guys in the lightweights especially recently we've seen paul petrov seen Victor Lopez. We saw Tyler Smith, I think, reach the blood round this year in NCAAs with a year to go. So uh, another solid light slash middleweight for, for Bucknell to pick up there and Noah Levitt. Those, all three of those guys definitely project well in the college. You know, Levitt, lighter middleweight, maybe a 130, maybe even a 125 early on into a 33, potentially a 41 if he gets big. Like we said, Patrick through the middle, a little higher on the middleweights, and Doug Zapp at 25. So to kind of play off of that, rolling right into 125, next season at the college level, Pennsylvania natives, guys that wrestle for Pennsylvania schools, got some pretty big names here, guys to watch out for that we've all seen before, maybe some guys that you haven't seen. Um, why don't you get us started off, T? Yeah, Mason, as you said, uh, each podcast episode leading up until the NCAA season, we're going to try to preview a weight class, talk about the big name guys coming back from the state of Pennsylvania. And as you said, some guys maybe not originally from PA, but wrestle for Pennsylvania schools. They're definitely fair game in this discussion. So obviously the elephant in the room, Darian Cruz, the returning NCAA champ, a, a PA native out of Bethlehem Catholic and also wrestles for Lehigh, um, obviously the top dog at that weight. Also, Zeke Moisey, a former NCAA runner-up, coming back after an injury and a redshirt year um, from West Virginia. He's also out of Bethlehem Catholic. These guys former teammates. So those are two front runners. And then you've got your also 2017 NCAA runner-up, Ethan Lezak out of Parkland, who obviously wrestles for Minnesota. So those three, you really got some talent there high. And then lastly, Sean Russell, who's a Georgia native but wrestles up at Edinburgh, um, a seventh place finisher this season. He will be back in the mix as well. Yeah, and a fun little fact about Cruz, Moisey, and Lezak. All three of those guys from the Lehigh Valley, uh, like you said, Darian and Zeke, both went to Bethlehem Catholic High School from the Bethlehem area, as well as Lezak going to Parkland, which is about 20 minutes or so outside of Bethlehem. They were all members of the Valley Elementary Wrestling League. Uh, if any of you guys remember, right around the time that Darian and Lezak wrestled in the NCAA finals. You probably saw out on social media that those two were in the same Valley Elementary Wrestling League championship bracket way back when at like six and under 40 pounds. So it's it's pretty cool to see those guys come full circle, wrestle on the biggest stage in the sport. And that's got to be exciting for the entirely high valleys, obviously, as well as the families in the programs. I'm glad you said that, Mason. I was just going to mention, I, I did see that on Twitter. That tweet definitely went viral. And that has given me a whole new perspective, I must say, when I watch youth wrestling, middle school, elementary, whatever you want to call it, or, or even high school. I, I'm looking at the brackets. I'm looking at these kids wrestling each other. And, and a lot of them are really good kids in Pennsylvania, so deep with talent. I'm just sitting there thinking when I watch these little kids wrestle, like, what if 15 years down the road these two are wrestling in the you know the NCAA finals or something crazy like that? And and obviously, like you said, these things do happen. So I'm, 
glad you pointed that out and, and some extreme talent in Pennsylvania that clearly showcases that. Yeah, I'll tell you what, there was actually a bracket my eighth grade year, my PJW state tournament bracket. The top three guys in it were Evan Henderson, Mitchell Port, and myself, all three of whom you look back at it, you kind of forget about these things. All three of us ended up being multiple time Division One All Americans. So came a long way from that little old uh, War Memorial Arena in Johnstown all the way to the biggest stage in NCAA wrestling, you know, with Mitchell Port making the finals a couple of times and all three of us uh, getting the opportunity to wrestle on Saturday. So it is amazing when you dig back through some of these elementary level brackets, the, the things you dig up, some of the matches you see, it's, it's amazing. I'll tell you one thing, you Pennsylvania wrestling fans out there, if you're as nerdy as me and Mason are, I'll give you one thing to do if you ever got some downtime. Pull up the former results of the Mawa Eastern Nationals and just scroll through those years all the way. I think they go back to like 1995 or something like that. Just go through those results and, and you can kill hours with that. So next time you're bored or, you know, you're sitting in class, some of you guys and, you know, the teacher's lecture is pretty boring. Pull up your Mawa Eastern National past results and just look through some of those names and some of the guys that beat them. It, it's truly unbelievable and it, it's so fun to look at. So uh, I'm showing my nerdiness off right now, but... Definitely something to keep in mind. Hey, believe me, I, I did the same thing, so I can't really talk. So some other guys, maybe not, well, a couple more Pennsylvania natives. Uh, Dalton Macri, who we had on last week, made the transfer, made the move down to North Carolina. Going to be competing for Coach Coleman Scott, Tony Ramos, the Tar Heels down there. So Dalton, former NCAA qualifier, he's got three years of eligibility left. Looking for big things out of him as a Tar Heel. Uh, Sean Russell, not a Pennsylvania native, but Russell's up at Edinburgh. He's a guy who's made the national tournament. He's got some good wins under his belt. Russell's a guy that's consistently about a top 15 guy in the, in the country, you know, and I'm sure the fighting Scots, coach Flynn, they're looking for him to, to climb that ladder, get himself in a position to wrestle on Friday night and Saturday at the national tournament. Connor Schramm, a little bit of a wild card. He spent some time last year at 25, then moved up to 133. Not really sure where he's going to fall next year, but wherever he does go, if it is 125, he comes back down, or if it is up at 133, which we'll talk about next week, he's going to be a force to be reckoned with. was an All-American at 125 a couple of seasons ago in New York City, actually with a win over Darian Cruz. Shram's a guy that's proven he can compete at the highest level. And then you talk about elephants in the room. The last guy on this list, Penn State starter last year, been a lot of talk surrounding him, Nick Suriano. Yeah, Nick Suriano, a New Jersey native originally from Bergen Catholic. He's at Penn State. Had an incredible year last year as a freshman. Had just one loss to Thomas Gilman going into NCAAs. And, you know, I guess unless you consider that injury default in the Oklahoma State duel. Um, but, you know, as everyone knows, injured the ankle, was wait, was about to weigh in. About He was all set into the NCAA bracket as a three seed. Didn't end up competing uh, clearly, it didn't hurt Penn State's team score as they had five champs and, and easily ran away with the title. But Suriano, everyone thinks, poised to make a, an incredible run his sophomore year, maybe a top contender to win the win the weight class, and and still is really. But you know, we've been hearing some rumors that he's he's maybe considering a move to Rutgers. Mason, why don't you give us what you've got on this topic? So, from talking to multiple people close to the situation or people that are well informed within the sport of wrestling. Apparently, from what we've been told, Suriano, since about the end of the, the school year, has been training at Rutgers, hasn't been seen very much in Happy Valley. You know, there there are some reasons that have been cited as to why the why the move would be made for Suriano. You know, I know one of that is 
and understandably so. We've all gone through it. You know, you get homesick as an 18, 19-year-old kid. Didn't grow up out very far outside of Piscataway, very far outside of the Rutgers campus at Bergen Catholic. He wants to transition into MMA, post-college wrestling. Training out at Rutgers allows him to train with Frankie Edgar to make that transition into MMA a little bit easier, maybe do some training, you know, some cross training on the side. There's talk of him wanting to move up to 133, which at Rutgers fits their lineup, fits their needs well. Penn State, their lineup, if you kind of go through it with Corey Keener coming in, probably projecting at 133 this coming season, Cortez moving up to 41. Um, again, those are both you know things that are kind of expected, what you hear in the rumor mill. But from the look of things, Penn State would be best served with Suriano down at 25. There's been a lot of talk of him wanting to move up to 133. I'm sure that would play into it. So, you know, come whatever may, I'm being told it's a 50-50 situation right now. One is every bit as likely as the other, but would definitely be a huge loss for the Nittany Lions if it does come to be, uh, you know, Pennsylvania wrestling fans. Penn State fans in particular um, be heartbroken to see him leave and head back to uh, that state out east that we shall not name. But it's definitely an interesting situation. You know, you don't see a guy like that that just had a season like that. You really don't see guys like that move around very much. You know, there wasn't a coaching change in Happy Valley. Obviously, nobody other than those in the program know what goes on day to day. But it's a unique situation. It's not something we see very often. So it'll be curious to see how it plays out. The thing about Suriano going up to 133, uh, I could see it where he would, you know, want to maybe move up a weight class, is developing, getting stronger, and all that. But uh, I don't see why he couldn't do that at Penn State. Looking through their lineup, obviously they had George Carpenter as their 33 pounder this year after uh, <clears throat> after Jared Cortez went down with the injury. So you got one more year of Corey Keener here as he comes in as a fifth year senior transfer. But after that, I mean, Suriano still has a red shirt, uh, I believe. So. I'm not sure why that would be a huge issue. And you got Gavin Teasdale coming in as a recruit for Penn State who could wrestle either weight class as well. So I'm not sure that I see the moving up a weight class as being a, a you know, the defining factor in why you move uh, go over to Rutgers from Penn State and what they've built over there. But like you said, we'll see what happens with the situation. And obviously we'll, we'll keep our Pennsylvania wrestling fans informed as I'm sure the rest of the country will and every other media outlet out there. Yeah, and I'll tell you what, if Suriano does move up, regardless of what university he's competing for, the one thing I know about that kid, he spent a lot of time in the Lehigh room with our regional training center. He is one of the strongest individuals I have ever grabbed a hold of. That kid at 16, I remember he walked in, and we're going through RTC practice with Coach Buxton. And I, and I, you know, I knew who he was, obviously. Went the whole way through his four state titles and everything in New Jersey. But the first time I grabbed a hold of that kid was kind of like, holy smokes. So if he does move up, I can say, obviously, talent-wise, the wrestling is there and horsepower will not be an issue. So I'm sure wherever Suriano ends up competing, weight-wise, school-wise, he's going to be right there in the conversation, putting himself in a position to wrestle on Saturday night at NCAAs. You alluded to it in the beginning of the podcast as we were just talking about uh, moving up in weight classes and the trend when we were talking about Doug Zapp, how you know guys are moving up these days maybe more frequently than they would have in the past, and 
and we might see a perfect example right there with Suriano. You take a look at him and you might think he, he looks too small to be a 33-pounder, but with someone with that much talent, it's just a matter of months before you know you get in the weight room, you put on that little extra weight, and, and before you know it, he's a top dog at 133 too. So it'll be interesting to see what happens with the Nick Suriano situation moving forward here. Yeah, for sure. And he's a guy that, along with the rest of the Penn State roster, man, they put on a show they're entertaining to watch on the mat. That said, there are some guys that are every bit as entertaining off the mat and one way or another as they are on the mat. You know, in this day with social media, some of these guys, you get a chance to really catch a glimpse into their into their heads, into their senses of humor, what they do day to day away from the mat. And I know from some of my teammates, friends of mine, you know, I know you're the same way. We've run into some quite a cast of characters on Twitter and Instagram and things over the years. So I'll tell you what, who do you think? Give me your rundown. Best guys, if you're going to follow a few guys, college wrestlers currently on Twitter, on Instagram, who are your top dogs? Yeah, Mason. So we talked about last podcast that we wanted to compile a list of the best current, maybe maybe former, but for this podcast episode, we'll stick with current. Maybe that will be a topic for uh, down the road. We'll go with former college wrestlers, but we'll go with current former wrestlers, best guys to follow on social media and, and most specifically Twitter because that's where the personalities really come out. Um, we've compiled a very short list, I would say. I, going into this, I thought we maybe come up with you know ten guys or so, at least close to a dozen. But we really only came up with a handful here, and and maybe it's just because maybe we're showing our age here that we don't follow enough of the current guys on on Twitter. But to start with, and we alluded to it last podcast, Hayden Hydley at Hoagie Hydley. I think that uh, that Twitter handle pretty much says it all. That kid is one of the funniest kids I've followed, and like I said, I've known him for a long time. He's a funny kid and definitely someone worth following on Twitter. I don't want to you know, give away too much of his, of his firepower there, but uh, worth a follow. A lot of hoagie tweets, a lot of Purdue tweets, uh, a lot of tweets talking about Lewistown Bridges and the bridges in Mifflin County. Um, an absolute uh, a must-follow on Twitter, Hayden Hydley. Yeah, Hydley's a great one. He's got a unique sense of humor. And another guy that he actually interacts with quite a bit on Twitter, um, guys that are from the same area, is Ryan Price, a teammate of mine out at Lehigh University. His Twitter handle, Price is right. And I got to tell you, I, I think, I really do, I think Price had the tweet of the year last year. So to give a little background on this, Ryan wrestled Mark Hall in the semis at the Southern Scuffle, was winning that match, pretty much the entirety of it it was a close match the whole way don't get me wrong but price is up three to one they're inside of a minute left and gets cement mixer and pinned okay as we all know hall goes on to win the scuffle price takes a third fast forward to the lehigh cornell though he's wrestling brian robuto it's a match i believe was tied at the time it's late in the third period robuto gets in on a shot they get rolling around Maybe Price hung on a little bit too long. Maybe Robuto clamped in the right spot. Whatever it was, ends up in a neutral fall. Price loses. About an hour after the dual meet, I'm scrolling through Twitter. Price tweets out, hey, does anybody want to wrestle a great match for about six and a half minutes and then pin me? Because clearly I'm down. I, I didn't. I really didn't think in 140 characters or less somebody could make his laugh as hard as I did at that. But I, I, I lost it. Yeah, Price is hilarious. Um, I'm also looking at his Twitter right now, and I've noticed he's had the same pit, uh, tweet pinned to the top of his pro- profile since October 17th of 2016. Actually, my birthday. So, good job, Price. Is it there. still the Frederick? Is it still the Frederick Douglass one? 
That's correct. It's a, <laughs> it's a four square picture here of three different random black and white either paintings or old photographs of Frederick Douglass. And you got Price himself in the top right corner. Uh, I guess I just gave it away. The, the point of the tweet says, only one is the real Frederick Douglass. Guess, guess which one it is. Um, so I guess I just gave away the answer. So shame on me. But Price uh, in the top right corner with the similar hairdo, uh, making the same facial expression. Pretty funny tweet there from Price. He's definitely one of the top guys to follow as well. Yeah, he's – and trust me, from personal experience, he's every bit as funny in real life and live and living color day-to-day as he is on Twitter. He's uh, he's a character. You ever get a chance to have a conversation with Ryan Price, don't pass that one up. Yeah, as well, uh, Mason, maybe you have a few more to throw in. Uh, I'm a big fan of AC Headley's tweets. He's at Got Doubles, for those who remember. He's a state champ from Waynesburg. And, and Dalton Macri talked a little bit about him when he came in on our show last episode. As you might remember, Headley was one of the main – factors that help motivate and and really just help make make it a smooth transition for Dalton Macri to to transfer from Cornell to UNC but uh he's another guy who has really good tweets and uh and shows love as well uh I think I I get some love from him on Twitter as well so that always makes me more uh inclined to to promote him as well yeah and you know there's always some hidden gems man you go out you spend some time on wrestling twitter you see some truly funny things uh that's one of the beauties of our sport say what you will we are not short on personalities yeah you got that right and that's something that maybe uh you know in this day of social media and internet and communication that goes around is you might not have been able to know things or see things like this uh 10 15 20 years ago You, you didn't know what the what the guys, the big guys in your sport were like. You didn't get to see their personality so much unless, you know, they got interviewed or something like that. So it's it's really cool to follow these guys, see what they're up to, and see what kind of sense of humor they have. Some of them are, are absolutely hilarious. And, and the last one I got to throw out, uh, I'll probably sound biased here, maybe catch some flack for this one, but my brother at TC Warner 10. Um, oh, he's, yeah. He's right up there with Hayden. Um, these two are absolute clowns, actually good friends. And uh, if, if you're a fan of the... The Nike Air Monarch dad shoe, um, just Google image what that is, I'm sure, if you don't know what it is. He's a big, uh, he's a big proponent of those, um, pretty much should be sponsored at this point. Um, he went viral on Twitter for, for taking a picture on the NCAA Division II wrestling championship podium, uh, pointing down to his shiny Nike Air Monarch dad shoes. So uh, you can see some tweets about those. You'll see some funny stuff on there. And, and uh, somewhere deep on my Twitter back there is actually a speech he gave for his college uh, sports management class, using a, making a sales pitch for why you should buy the Nike Air Monarch. So he's also worth a follow at TC Warner Ten. Yeah, like you said, T, your your brother TC Warner at TC Warner on Twitter. Great guy to follow. Always entertaining. Uh, you know, maybe a little bit underrated. Flies under the radar, but definitely worth hitting him with a follow. You know, rolling on a little bit of a uh, maybe a more of a historic discussion here well maybe not crazy historic but conversation that's always interesting always kind of fun to have best pennsylvania guys specifically to not win a national title since the year 2000 you know most of these guys actually all these guys at least that i have listed are division one guys there are some wrestlers over the years that if you've ever been to the ncaa tournament if you've ever been part of it had someone that you know that competed at that level thing i always like to say is People talk about how tough a national tournament is. They talk about how good the guys are that All-American will win titles, which is absolutely true. But do you want to know how hard it is to win a national title, how hard it is to be an All-American? 
Don't look at the guys that are able to do it. Look at the list of guys that were never able to win a national title. Look at the the list of guys every year at the national tournament that don't stand on the podium. That'll that right there really snaps into perspective just how hard it is to do something like that once, twice, however many times. So with that said, Tristan and I, you know, we you know, you and I, we both threw together our list of guys that to our memory, whether it was we saw them growing up as kids or we heard stories about them, the best guys to never win a national title. The first one for me, for obvious reasons, coming from the Lehigh program, he was somebody that I grew up watching. They actually had a movie made about him called Veritas, John Trench. He's a three-time All-American out at Lehigh, two-time national finalist, losing to the likes of Cale Sanderson, which literally everybody did, and Damian Hahn in a match that if you haven't seen it, check it out on YouTube. Trench is winning that match wire to wire, gets lateral dropped in the last 10 seconds to lose that match. Uh, about as much of a heartbreaker as you can. And then f- fell in the semis his senior year to Sean Stender of, I think, Northern Iowa. Yep, Northern but, Iowa. And Trench would have been a four-time, likely would have been a four-time All-American, but he lost his freshman year to, due to an eye injury, uh, detached retina, which if anybody remembers Trench, actually seen him compete, uh, he wore those kind of trademark Rex, Rex backs that were actually stitched right into his headgear. So Trench, a guy that was a three-time, it was three for three, and being an All-American, two-time national finalist, one of my uh, – actually, two of my college coaches were around him in their time with the Lehigh program in years past. Our now head coach, Pat Santoro, was one of the assistant coaches on Trench's team, and our assistant coach now, Brad Dillon, was one of Trench's teammates. I'll tell you what. You, you ever get a chance to watch film with Trench or you just listen to the way people talk about him? I remember Coach Santoro, who's a guy that has been around some really special athletes. Coach Santoro has seen the best of the best, and he puts Trench up there immediately in the conversation with the best guys he's ever coached. I remember Brad once told me that, you know, when I would ask him about what Trench was like in the room every day, what he was like to watch compete, and Brad just goes, honestly, guy didn't have a hole. He could do everything. He could attack both sides with leg attacks, had a great defense, could scramble, could snap you down, go behind, could throw you, was great on top, could ride, could turn, could pin. You know, and you couldn't ride him out on the bottom. So, Trench, if you ever get a chance, got 5, 10, 20 minutes to kill, go check out some of his matches on YouTube. You will not be bored. Yeah, Mason, first of all, I think this is a great discussion to have, especially like we said during these summer months where, you know, uh, there's not a whole lot of wrestling going on except maybe, you know, Fargo out there. But uh, especially in terms of college wrestling, there's not a whole lot going on right now. Um, we, we put together some good topics here to just to discuss and hopefully have some of our fans interact with us. So this is a good one to lead off with. And John Trench is probably the best one you can think of on that list. Um, watching him you know, get lateral dropped by Han in those last few seconds was an absolute heartbreaker. Even for someone like me who you know, grew up as a Penn State fan, obviously Lehigh's kind of a rival, wasn't a big Lehigh fan, but everyone, especially PA guys, we all wanted Trench to win, wanted him to win that. And he was literally seconds away, inches away, and lost that one. And then, like you said, his senior year fell to Stender in the in the semis and then ended up taking third I think it was but I'll never forget when he left his uh, shoes out there in the middle of the mat that was a a great moment for someone who had done so much in the sport both in high school and in college and like you said grew up watching him in high school remember getting his autograph in the stands at the old Hershey Park Arena when I was a little kid and he was the nicest dude so um Trench is is a beast and uh he's a great one to lead off with I'll uh I'll throw another one in here kind of Moving randomly in this list, I'll throw one who's um, closest to me, I guess. 
and it's it's really a two. It's a package deal. The Moore twins um, coming out of District Nine. Um, the Moore twins start both started off at Penn State. Josh wrestled his entire career there. Scott wrestled um, all but his fifth year senior year at Penn State, and then transferred to Virginia. But these guys were multiple time All Americans. Now been very successful coaches in college. Josh made it to the finals before losing to Zach Roberson from Iowa State. And I remember Scott, his fifth-year senior year, a number one seed for UVA and lost to Cliff Moore from Iowa in the semis but ended up taking third. But those were guys, probably the two most fun guys to watch, I'll say, in my entire life watching the sport since I was literally three or four years old. Um, The Moore Twins, probably my favorite of all time wrestlers. And that's a huge statement to make for me just – Evan, you know, if this podcast isn't any indication of how much of a wrestling nerd I am, uh, <laughs> I've watched more wrestling in those years than, and then pr- that's pretty much all I do with my life. So the more is probably my two favorites. Yeah, I tell you what, I actually got a chance. I've known Josh Moore for a long time. I got a chance to roll around with him a few times at different points in my career. They were a ton of fun to watch, but man alive, did they suck to wrestle. I took some of the worst beatings of my life at the hands of Josh Moore. And I think the worst part of it was because if you never got a chance to see the Moore twins wrestle, they, they, they were two of the most prolific penners in the history of college wrestling. And not just the Penn State and UVA program. I think Scott, his senior year, was like 51-1 and one and had 35 pins or some absurd thing. And for those of you guys that don't, you know, don't really follow it, 35 pins, that's a ton of pins in high school. That is absolutely unheard of in Division One wrestling. That just thirty-five pins is a lot in a career, let alone I'll, a season. I'll jump in and say that I tried to model my college wrestling after the Moors. Um, clearly not as as good, and clearly not as good of a pinner. Um, I would, you know, not really the throws as much, but really, if you just watch anyone ever get in on the Moors legs, they immediately just drape over and go for some kind of cradle or some kind of funk roll. And that's really all I lived off of in college. And, and I don't know if I pinned more than five people in my entire division one college career. So like you said, that, that is absolutely a stunning number. And I tell you what, I can't, uh, there were a lot of times wrestling with Josh. I, I would take a shot and we'd get rolling around and all of a sudden I'd end up stuck in something and I'm looking at lights and we're and and he and of course Josh is laughing at me as he does it. <laughs> and I'd get, he'd let me go and I'd stand up and go, was that even a move? And he go, I don't know, but it worked. That right there was just the most perfect summation of the Moore Twins wrestling. They were as good, if not better, than anyone I've ever watched at just flat out winging it and figuring out a way to make it work. That's right. Uh- any YouTube video you want to pull up of the Moors, you know they're going to be hitting some kind of crazy moves, and you know they're going to be in for a battle. I just recently, one day when I was bored, pulled up a video of of Scott at Penn State pinning, I think it was Luke Moffitt from Iowa when he was at Rec Hall, and that was a huge match with a, with a sick pin. I think, he, I think it was a headlock, I'm not sure, but uh, there's another good one on YouTube. I think when he was a, a freshman, maybe even a true freshman, they threw him out there in the lineup, and this one might have been Josh even. I don't even remember. They threw one of the Moors out there as a true freshman against a returning NCAA champ, Eric Jurgens from Iowa. And and you can just tell in the first 10 seconds, I mean, when you watch some kids today, and, and, and I'll even say myself, when you go out there, my freshman year, I think my second match in my college career, I wrestled John Reeder, who went on to be a national champ that year. Oh, that's and, a shame. Well, uh, it was definitely a shame. I, I got my face bounced off the mat like nine or ten <laughs> times over there at the the good old Hokie Open. And uh, 
Yeah, you, you could just tell when you walk out on the mat. Uh, first of all, I was wearing, you know, the, the Scooby-Doo singlet, the, the Wayne Danger uh, Scooby-Doo singlet. I walked out on the mat, and, and Kevin Jackson, his coach, right as John Reeder gets to the center of the mat, says, hey, Johnny. He turns around, and he says, he's wearing a Scooby-Doo singlet. And I was like, thinking in my head at the time, as if you need to make me any more intimidated as an 18-year-old kid walking out there to wrestle John Reeder. Um, thanks, Kevin Jackson. I really appreciate that. Uh, just burying my self-esteem at that point. But anyway, it got tech falled. Um, wasn't a fun match, but my point of the story was that just the way you walk out there when you're about to wrestle a guy like that, it's it's pretty intimidating. And to watch, I think it was Josh Moore just walk out there against Eric Jurgens, and in the first five or ten seconds, he's it's almost a fist fight. He's just clubbing him in the head and, and they're pushing each other off the mat and to watch a, a true freshman go out there in Carver Hawkeye and and just I think it ended up being a one-point match or something close to it and just um, wrestling that hard against Eric Jurgens, I, I had even more respect for him re-watching that than than I did like you know just looking at the results of the box score oh they were just outright brawlers so and it's, to kind of stick with that theme uh, the Moore twins kind of in the same vein Chris Flieger was a Loyal Sock high school graduate, uh, won, I think, two state titles in high school. Flieger's junior year of high school uh, actually got, not to bring up bad memories, but would have won three state titles, but he actually slammed a kid in the, you know, not intentionally, just lost him, lifted him, got the way high up, lost him on the way down. And um, I remember hearing the stories that was one of the only times that that, you know, sometimes kids, guys stay down on slam calls that eh, it's a little questionable. From all, from every account, that kid did everything he could to walk back to the center, and Flieger had just, uh, he had been too busted up. But moral of that story is that Flieger was a, a slam call away from winning three state titles in high school, was a two-time national runner-up at Purdue. And if you talk about someone, one of the best guys I've ever watched on top, he was just downright brutal. He would get a single wrist ride in. And he was about as indifferent as could be. He would just rip your arm off. He pretty much put you in a decision where he would go, okay, you got two choices. You can either rip your arm off or you can go over. Every now and again, somebody would choose to rip their arm off. And when Flieger, when Chris really proved, like, no, I actually am willing to rip your arm off. Most people went over. So Flieger, in addition to that, um, he was a great pinner, obviously being that good on top. He was a thrower. Um could score in all sorts of really fun, high-flying, and exciting ways, along with his leg attacks, his short offense. You ever get a chance, go look Chris Flieger up. Again, a guy that you just will never be disappointed by watching him wrestle. Uh, the show that he put on in the Dapper Dan his senior year is one that Pennsylvania wrestling fans still talk about. So Flieger, definitely up there with the best guys. Not even just Pennsylvania guys, the best guys to not win a national title, period. Yeah, I remember Chris Flieger. He was a beast, uh, and and I remember him specifically because, um, not to talk down on your your double A Mason, but uh, you know, hey. growing up as a kid, it was all triple A for me. And then you know, you'd occasionally hear of the double A guy that was a superstar that was ranked high in the country, and uh, Flieger was one of the first ones for me. I remember as a kid, um, he was one of those guys top ranked in the country. Would always be dominating in freestyle too. And uh, didn't really get to watch him wrestle that much in high school just because we never really went to the double A finals. We would just go to triple A um, where the real wrestling was done. And uh, oh. <laughs> uh, that's just a joke. But uh, anyway, when he got to college, I remember scratching my head a little bit when he went to when he signed to Purdue. Um, not that Purdue's a bad program or anything, but just the caliber he had coming out of high school. You'd think, 
you know, he's going to go to one of these, you know, Oklahoma State or something like that. He was that good. Yeah, Fleer was a kind of recruit coming out. Uh, I'm I'm not familiar with uh, his academic situation and everything, but from a wrestling standpoint, he was a kid that could have picked a school and went, I want to go there, and they would have gone, yes, please. So, exactly. That's exactly it, what I remember, too. Yeah, Flieger was a guy. You ever get a chance to watch film of him? He was fun. Uh, another two-time finalist that unfortunately fell both times, three-time All-American as well, four-time national qualifier, losing his freshman year in the round of 12, Mitchell Port. Port's a guy that even in high school was kind of this way. His entire career, he was always at an elite level, made the state semifinals as a freshman in high school, and the entirety of his career was always right there with the best guys in America, but somehow found a way to fly under the radar. You know, Mitchell never did anything. He was never a guy that did anything super flashy. He was just fundamentally was brutally good, um, put a lot of pressure on guys, hand fought hard. You know, in college, competed up there for Coach Flynn at Edinburgh. So maybe the fact that it wasn't what you would call a big market team, even though Edinburgh's program is definitely a top-tier program. But Mitchell Portman, he he was very close. Uh, for sure, the first time he made the national finals, losing to Kendrick Maple, that, that was an extremely competitive match. And unfortunately, his senior year, uh, you know, ran into the uh, Logan Stever Express in the finals, which, uh, speaking of Logan Stever, fun fact, my claim to fame, I am Logan Stever's first ever win at the national tournament. So take that one to the bank. I'm, a, I'm, the, I'm the answer to a trivia question somewhere. Yeah, Mason, that's a good one. Um, Mitchell Port, ironically, as you just mentioned, losing in the national finals to Kendrick Maple and Logan Stever. Pretty sure those are the two guys that just wrestled for the world team trial slot at that at their weight class. Oh, so, uh, yeah. So it's not even like he just he just lost to anybody random in the national finals. He ran into some some studs right there. And as you said, three-time All-American aside from that. Uh, I've known Mitchell forever since the time we were pretty much little kids wrestling at NLWC, Nittany Lion Wrestling Club. And Mitchell was always one of those kids, like you said, really fundamentally sound. You would just look at him and you'd think, oh, he's my partner. That's that's going to be a nice, easy match for me. And uh, growing up, I was the, the the little chubby kid who was probably like 20, 30 pounds heavier than Mitchell. And, and I would be counting lights, as you said. He'd be throwing me all around, putting me on my back. So... Uh, Port, like you said, always one of those guys who you look at him, not flashy, um, really good fundamentals, always had like a good front headlock and, you know, was really good at riding on top, um, had an incredible career, was just short of a national champ, but Port's a stud and did huge things for Edinburgh and it seems like he's doing really good things coaching there now too. Yeah, and I got to tell you, Mitchell Port is in the top five all time of best hairdos to ever make the national finals. He might be number one, actually. That mullet was just fantastic. And I think the funniest memory I have of it was a teammate of mine, Lake Gardner, wrestled him. I don't remember which national tournament it was, but it doesn't matter. So Lake wrestles him, and I don't, the match didn't go well. I know that. And it comes off, and Lake gets cool down in, you know, kind of give him some space, let him calm down. We're sitting there talking, go, yeah, you know, what you think? Having a conversation about, you know, what he needs to adjust for the next match and, and the concies. And I just couldn't help myself and went, I got to ask, how was the mullet? Lake looks at me and goes, I got to tell you, it was fantastic. He definitely conditions. So <laughs> Mitchell Port, form, function, everything. One of the best hairstyles to ever come through college wrestling. Say what you will about the mullet. Mitchell Port made it work. I got to throw one more Port story in while we're at it. Uh, Mason, I believe you were on this team with us. Maybe not. You might have been with Quest, but uh, we were down at Disney Duels one year. Mitchell Port was our one, uh, and I'm doing the, the quote sign with my fingers here if you can't see. 
Um, Mitchell Port was our 112 pounder at Disney Duels one year. <laughs> Probably weighed 140. It was it was a plus five weigh in, so he he sucks down. He makes 117, and and we went to Golden Corral and, and a couple other restaurants in that night. And by the, the by the first or second day of the tournament, Mitchell weighed at least 140, maybe 145. Wait, and was this the year that we were all with uh, premium? I think it was. I think it yeah, was premium because we were Mitchell, wearing white singlets. And I remember, yeah. I remember Mitchell running out on the mat against this like really sorry team that we had. We were pretty much all just pinning them. And Mitchell runs out like a little – he looked like Humpty Dumpty out there, a little white bowling ball um, <laughs> wrestling a kid that, that in a high school season or a college – high school season, this kid would have been six weight classes below him. And it was almost embarrassing. Like we were laughing, but I almost felt bad for the kid because Mitchell was, was nearing 150 and this kid couldn't have weighed more than 110 soaking wet. But that was one of the funniest things I've ever seen. Mitchell just running out on the mat, prancing out there like a little – white bowling ball just just messing up the competition down there in disney but but weighing outweighing the competition by by at least 30 pounds oh yeah he was actually he gained so much weight at one point he just curled up and napped on the couch in the hotel room for like four straight hours he put himself into a food coma more than once on that trip yeah we could tell poor stories for a while but he's a stud and he was absolutely worth mentioning in this list and just to roll through a few more so we don't spend the whole podcast talking about this, Mason, a couple other guys we had listed, Mike McMullen, four-time All-American, NCAA finalist uh, for Northwestern at heavyweight, and now coaching at Penn, which is the team that we chose to preview at the end of this episode, so more to come on him. We also had Virtus Jones, which he's right around that, maybe even before that Flieger era, so this is back when we were young kids, but Virtus Jones, a third, second, second at NCAAs, and Ran into Kale Sanderson one year in the finals, and and I believe it was Mitch Clark the other year in the NCAA finals. So, still a great career for him and and his whole family really coming out of Greg Donnie Virtus, one of the best PA wrestling families. We'd like to welcome on our special guest for today, the new head coach. Well, the new head coach slash the old head coach at the University of Pennsylvania, Roger Reina. Uh, was just hired about a month ago, I believe, to be the head coach at Penn. Uh, he's previously led the program for 19 years, from 1986 to 2005. Uh, fun little fact about that: when he was hired in 1986, he was 24 years old. Was actually the youngest Division One head coach in any sport, not just in wrestling. So, fun little trivia bit there. Um, as a head coach, won four EIWA team titles, eight Ivy League titles. Coached Brandon Slay to an Olympic gold medal, as well as a national runner-up finish. Um, had national champions and Brett Motter and recruited and coached Matt Valeni for his first couple of years to an All-American finish. Then he stepped down. The next two years were when Valeni won his two national titles, if you guys might remember. All in all, had 17 All-Americans and five top 20 finishes in his 19-year stint the first time around as the Penn coach. So I'm sure the Quaker program is looking for big things out of Coach Reyna. And, you know, we'd like to welcome on the program now. Coach, Thank you for coming on, taking the time out of your, you know, we know you're busy out there in Fargo. So thank you for taking the time to join our program. Yeah, I appreciate it, Mason. Uh, glad to be here. So, you know, like I said, a um, bit of a unique situation for you. You were the head coach at Penn for almost 20 years from the mid 80s to the mid 2000s. You know, in that time, you had 17 All-Americans, uh, coached one NCAA champion, Brett Motter, and groomed another one at Matt Valeni. And you stepped down from your role there in 2005. You spent about another 10 years, 10, 12 years 
around the program, but as the head coach of it, you know, kind of talk us through how the administration reached out to you and how the opportunity for you to come back to your alma mater at Penn, you know, and take the helm again, kind of how that opportunity presented itself. Yeah, well, uh, like you said, you know, I had stepped down in, in 2005, and, you know, at the time, my uh, two children, David and, and Lindsay, are nine and seven years old, and uh, really was a focus to spend time with them and, you know, went off on dis- different uh, professional pursuits, but still stayed involved with the sport. I chaired the local organizing committee when the NCAs came to Philadelphia in 2011, and then uh, in 2014, we started up the Pennsylvania Regional Training Center. And it was a real commitment from our alumni to get that going. We'd had Olympic-level guys around our program from, you know, back in the Foxcatcher days and then with the Dave Schultz Wrestling Club. Uh, so we were, you know, excited to get the, the our RTC up and running. And, uh, you know, great collaboration with Coach Azevedo and Drexel University as well as Penn. And uh, we, you know, launched that. And, you know, I was involved with, you know, coaching the Olympic-level guys. And, you know, Richard Perry is an example out at the Olympic trials and, 2016, and uh, I'd taken on a senior administrative role at the university, so I was there, um, you know, in that capacity uh, for external affairs across, really across all sports, across the department. And when the coaching change happened and uh, Alex Dierpelli resigned, uh, I was approached, you know, by the administration and alumni to consider this. Um, And to me, it was, um, you know, I always felt coaching at Penn in my alma mater was a once-in-a-lifetime deal, but uh, you know, when I got approached, I thought, "Hey, you know, this is uh, this is really something. This is a twice-in-a-lifetime deal, and it felt <laughs> like the right time for me and the right time for my family." Coach, uh, once again, just to echo what Mason said, we really appreciate you coming on and, and taking your time out of while you know some of the best wrestling in the country in Fargo is going on right now. Um, I just wanted to ask, um, you know, you you started at Penn in 1979 as a as a freshman there as a student, and you've really never left the program. Um, in a day and age like this, especially where I mean, even today we saw now Eric Guerrero made the change over to Oklahoma. Um, you stayed loyal to Penn this entire time. Uh, what does that say about just uh, your commitment to the University of Penn and and how much you love being a part of the Quaker family out there? You know, I, I think we have a, it's a really good question. I, I think we have a really special community, you know, around Penn wrestling. It's, uh, it's always felt like a family to me, um, you know, back from, you know, really some of the people that were, you know, kind of the pioneers of the sport of wrestling in Pennsylvania, Austin Bishop, um, you know, who coached at Penn in the thirties and forties and had unbelievable teams. He was the head official at the Olympic games back in the day and actually started the program at Wyoming seminary. Um, you know, at the high school program, uh, that room bears his name. So, and then Don Fry, who had wrestled at Penn State and captained their NCAA championship team back in the 50s. He was a coach at Penn, um, you know, in some great teams in the 60s and 70s. And then Larry Lockley, another Pennsylvania native who, um, you know, was an Olympian and, and was my coach at Penn. And, you know, just to be part of that legacy is, is really humbling. It's really an honor. Um, you know, and then the teams that, you know, that we had that moved into the national rankings and, you know, in the nineties and two thousands, uh, were really some tremendous teams and that community is really, you know, continue the legacy and, 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 uh, continue that feeling of community. So, uh, it's a really special group of people to be a part of. And, uh, you know, and again, like I said, to have a, a second opportunity to, to help lead this is, uh, it, it's really an honor. It's really humbling and it's tremendously exciting. Yeah, so, you know, you mentioned a lot of big names in different eras in that conversation there. And, 
I know that we've talked, but you and I have talked before about you spent time with Dave Schultz. Obviously, you coached Brandon Slade on an Olympic gold medal. You know, just for Slade to make his Olympic team, he had to go through a fellow Penn uh, coach and Brian Dolph and all the different guys that you've been surrounded by in your competitive and coaching career. You know, how have they all kind of influenced you as a coach, as an administrator, and just as a mentor for the kids that you have around the program now? Yeah, I appreciate that question because it really gives me a chance to, you know, talk about um, what a wonderful set of learning experiences I've had from each of those people. You know, I got to know Austin Bishop personally and Don Fry and, of course, Larry Lockley being my coach. And, you know, Dave Schultz is someone who's very special to me. I mentioned my son's name, Dave. It's, it's after Dave Schultz. And as we were starting to move our teams into the national rankings, Mason, it really Dave Schultz was someone who gave me personally, you know, and technically and tactically confidence that we could take things to whole new levels. And in fact, you know, really uh, kind of planted a seed of what, what happens if we don't limit ourselves at all. And, and we, you know, set a goal, you know, towards that, towards no limits. And Dave kind of, I think, approached, you know, his, his wrestling career that way, a lot of things that way. And um, was such a, just such a masterful technician um, that, you know, it's a tremendous opportunity to learn from, but, you know, more than the technique, in addition to the technique was this idea of, you know, um, being able to reach for the highest heights. And I think that, you know, that spread throughout our team, throughout our program. Brandon is an example. Brian Dolph is an example, as you mentioned. Um, another person I'll mention who was a great help to me and mentor to me was Jim Humphrey, who was the head Olympic coach, you know, in the 88, uh, mm-hmm. games, and, um, and Jim was involved with our program, um, you know, and, and very helpful. And a lot of things that we, we teach today came from Jim Humphrey and Dave Schultz. Um, so, you know, it's really pretty cool to, to be able to pay that um, forward, you know, to other people, the next generations. And we remind our guys that, you know, this is where it came from. And, you know, it's a, it's a great honor. Um, it's, also, it's also a really great technique that works. So it's yeah. fun to put in. <laughs> Coach, you talked about, um, you know, obviously all the coaches that you had in your day and the, the guys you coached with, um, guys who have had great influence on you as a wrestler and as a coach, looking ahead to your team now and into the future. Um, you've, you've obviously concocted a pretty good coaching staff here going forward. Um, Brian Pearsall, an NTA qualifier for Penn State, down with the lightweights. You got Chase Pammy, NTA finalist, two-time All-American um, as a volunteer now in the middleweights, and then... Mike McMullen up top, who's a four-time All-American and NTA finalist as well. And then not to mention in the regional training center, you guys have athletes like B.J. Futrell and Richard Perry. Um, just talk a little bit about, uh, you know, how these guys um, have come together as a coaching staff and what you're looking forward to in the future out of them to help lead this program. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, keeping uh, Mike McMullen on staff, retaining Mike through this transition uh, was really important to us. And, and we're really pleased he's a, you know, tremendous professional, um, uh, represents our program extremely well, connects with the kids extremely well. Of course, you know, Pennsylvania native from Easton and wrestled at Wyoming Sem to have him back here in Pennsylvania is terrific. Um, and he's just a pleasure to work with. We're really working well together and enjoying it. And um, adding Brian Pearsall, who, you know, as you mentioned, wrestled at Penn State. He was on 
three NCAA championship teams, um, you know, for Kale's, Kale's squads. And, you know, to have that experience, um, I think is terrific. Interestingly, he went through a coaching change himself as an athlete. So he was recruited initially by Troy Sunderland and then Kale came on board. So, you know, in a way he's experienced a coaching change in his career. And I think that's going to be important for our guys to understand and um, him to be able to relate to. And then Chase is a tremendous competitor um, and, a, and a wonderful technician. You know, he's got some techniques that I think, you know, in some areas he's probably the best in the country, you know, perhaps the best arm thrower in the country and, and in some other areas I think very creative. And um, so he brings a lot to the table as well. Um, a couple more guys that you didn't mention, you know, one is Dan Valamont. Um, who's one of our regional training center uh, athletes and a two-time high-placing All-American at Penn State. Hopefully you guys are getting the Pennsylvania theme <laughs> a little bit. That's what we like to hear. Um, but, uh, yeah, but, but uh, Dan on board and, you know, obviously, uh, you know, freestyle All-American Olympic trials place winner. And, um, and then one other person we didn't mention who's instrumental in all of this um, is Matt Valenti. Uh, who's on the athletic administration at Penn, but he, he also continues to work with our Pennsylvania Regional Training Center. Um, still very active on the mat, um, helps with guys, you know, in uh, individual basis and RTC practices, and uh, um, just a you know tremendous competitor, technician, coach. Um, so it's it's really a, a good group. We're very fortunate to have all this talent together um, to pour into the guys on the team. Yeah, so, Coach, you touched on Matt Valenti still being around in an administrative role, and that kind of helps play into the one thing I was curious about. I know coming from a program like I did at Lehigh, um, you know, where academics and athletics are both huge parts of the recruiting process and the, you know, the student-athlete's day-to-day life, you know, and then obviously at Penn, that's one not one of the best schools in America. It's one of the best schools in the world. When you're recruiting guys, when you're – helping your student athletes come through the program and through the university. Um, you know, talk about how that process, the unique challenges that, that that may present as well as I'm sure how much of a help it is to have Matt in the administrative side, you know, when alum, let alone a former two time national champ for you guys, someone that can kind of give you an inside look at the way the administrative and academic side of the university works. Yeah. So, yeah, I think a couple questions there. One is, you know, the, the student athlete experience in a challenging academic environment, if I'm hearing you right. And then the second yeah. part of the question being, you know, Matt's role within the administration. Yep. So, you know, great questions. Um, you know, for us, you know, not only, you know, myself being an alum, having gone through the program, I think that's helpful for our student athletes to know, like, I understand, you know, what it is to, you know, to compete academically at this highest level, you know, the wall street, uh, journal college rankings has Penn ranked as the number fourth institution, you know, in the land. And, um, so that's amongst the, you know, obviously the very best. So it is a challenging environment, but, you know, if we do our recruiting correctly, we're finding those, you know, great student wrestlers, you know, hopefully, you know, largely from within our 250 mile radius of the RTC, but, you know, we can also recruit nationally. Um, you know, Brandon Slay came up from Amarillo, Texas, but, you know, we're looking for the best student athletes who want, the best of both, you know, and they're really not willing to settle on either side, you know, the academic side or the athletic side. And yes, it's a tall order, but if that's the way they're oriented, you know, themselves from the start, then it's going to be a great fit. And it's a lot of hard work and it's a lot of commitment, but it's not all work. It's a really fun place to go to school too. And, um, you know, and Brandon Slay having gone uh, through Penn as, you know, as an alum, a Wharton school of business, 
you know, top-rated business school in the country, um, alumnus. He has that experience, and Matt himself is a student athlete. So I think it puts us in a position where we can relate, you know, to the guys and talk about what's possible and um, and really celebrate the school. So, so I think that's the student athlete side of things. Um, you know, I think we're very confident in our ability to recruit. Um, and before I step down, Matt's Matt Valenti's recruiting class will be the number one ranked recruiting class in the country. Um, and the last class that I uh, recruited but wasn't wasn't able to coach was ranked number four in the country. And we know we're capable of you know of that kind of uh, you know recruiting impact. So um, so we're confident in that regard, and we've got a great product to offer both on the mat and academically and professionally. So from, you know, the administrative standpoint, it's just really beneficial, um, you know, to have, uh, you know, someone who understands the sport of wrestling in the administration, you know, so often across the country, you know, we see um, high-ranking athletic administrators and ADs that, you know, have a, you know, football or basketball orientation and, you know, may or may not really understand Olympic sports. Um, so to have one, so have people that truly understand that, um, having served in the administrative uh, administration myself at Penn here the last two years, I think puts us in a really good position, you know, to work effectively and make sure, you know, the goals of our program are aligned, you know, with the mission of the athletic department and, and more broadly with the mission of the university. And so we're very thoughtful about, you know, making sure that, you know, we're impacting locally and impacting globally, you know, which is a, a big part of our president Gutman's uh, initiatives. And, um, you know, we're doing that through the Beat the Streets program locally. And, you know, we're producing people that are going on being leaders in industry and business and um, in other ways, you know, as Im- impactful leaders, you know, to the world. So um, so I think when you're, when you're aligned and you have administrators who help make sure that the program's goals are aligned with the broader institutional goals, um, it puts you in really good position. So I know that's kind of a long answer, but it's a really important important question no no i think i mean that i think everything you said you know needed to be said and that's something that kids and parents and everything that are looking at penn as an option that's the type of thing that people need to know yeah yeah one last question for you coach we don't want to uh, take up too much of your time but um just wanted to ask you i mean we've been previewing one team in pennsylvania each episode and and this episode this is perfect happens to be penn so we took took a look at you know the roster and what you guys return next season um it looks like you got a couple good returners obviously frank mattias up top uh 197 was uh not in the blood round one round before that lost on a kind of bizarre caution point if i remember correctly and then uh bethea obviously a tough returner a couple time national qualifier in the middle middleweights but uh, we just wanted to give you a chance to just give a, a season outlook for next year on the team. You've got some good guys returning, some bigger names, and then maybe some other guys that will fly under the radar. But uh, just go ahead and yep. if you have a minute, just give us a, a rundown of next year's team and what to look out for. Yeah, yeah, thanks. You know, we're really excited about it. I think that, you know, first and foremost, you know, we're really looking to, to elevate, um, you know, everybody's individual contributions, you know, across our team. You know, I think we've got some good incoming recruits, you know, that can make an impact. I think all the returning guys, you know, have the ability to step up their game. Um, and you mentioned May Bethea, who uh, he was in the round of 12 at the NCAAs last year. He's been a university national All-American in freestyle. He was actually on his way again this year at the University of Nationals to repeat and freestyle. Unfortunately, he got injured. Um, but, you know, we think he can go deep into the tournament at the NCAAs. And uh, you mentioned the community and the, and the kind of 
like the family feel of Penn wrestling. He's the fourth Bethea brother uh, to wrestle for us at Penn. So really kind of an amazing story of a, a great family, very loyal. And um, so we're really excited. He's a returning captain. Uh, and then we've got Frank Mattias, who, as you mentioned, uh, you know, lost on a very bizarre call at the NCAAs in the round of 16. And uh, he was a conference champion. Uh, you know, he defeated Harner from uh, Princeton, who was a returning All-American and the returning conference champion to, to win it this year. Uh, Mike McMullen has made a, a great um, you know, set of progress, you know, with Frank and, uh, Frank's out of Blair Academy, New Jersey, and, you know, has great, um, you know, kind of, uh, background and, um, platform to build off of. So we really think he's capable of big things. He really broke through this past year and, and gained a lot of momentum. Um, a third guy I want to mention in our, in our upper weights too, is Joe Hayop. Uh, Joe's an NCAA qualifier winning matches and he's from Ohio originally. And, um, he's really capable of doing a lot of things. I think, you know, he may be kind of under the radar right now, but, uh, we also think he can do things at the national level. Um, Joe Leva is a 149 pounder. Um, he's a returning captain. You know, he's just one of those guys that just does absolutely everything right. A coach couldn't ask anything more of him. Um, he's a rising junior. Um, and I think can um, can really make some headway for us in the conference and um, get himself to the national stage as well. And I think we've got some other guys that have that have come along, that are, you know, really can come along. And um, but like I said, the main thing for us is you know, we're looking for everybody to step their game up across the board and welcome these new recruits into to the family. All right. Well, hey, coach, thank you so much again for taking the time. You know, with everything, all the hectic stuff going on out in Fargo. Thank you for taking the time to talk to us and, you know, give us your vision for Penn Wrestling moving forward. You bet. I appreciate it, guys. Hope the whistles in the background weren't too uh, distracting, but it's it's definitely an exciting, uh, you know, uh, floor scene at Fargo and the Pennsylvania guys doing really well here, as always. Yeah, and, hey, obviously we're all excited to see that. And, you know, moving forward, the best of luck to you guys this coming season. I appreciate it. Thank you both. Thank Thanks, you. Coach. So thank you to Coach Raina for coming on the program, taking the time to talk a little bit about his process of coming back into the head coaching position there and, you know, kind of his vision uh, with the new coaching staff and everything and where they hope to take the Quaker program in the years to come. So that said, Penn seems like the logical thing to do is the team we're going to preview for this 2017 season for our episode today. Like I said, like we've talked about before, they have a new coaching staff, mainly new coaching staff. Coach Reina, who we just had on the program. Brian Pearsall, Pennsylvania native, wrestled at Penn State. Uh, came over from Army West Point. Was coaching there for the past year, couple years. He's on staff now. Chase Pammy, who was an All-American out at Cal Poly, has made the trek east. He's on staff now. Mike McMullen, who we mentioned earlier in this podcast, is a four-time All-American national finalist at Northwestern. A Philadelphia, well, a Lehigh Valley native, actually. Uh, from Eastern Pennsylvania, wrestled at Wyoming Seminary. So three of these guys on staff are Pennsylvania natives. Reina also being a Philadelphia area native and Penn alum. Great coaching staff, um, and I'm sure all four of these guys are looking for big things in the 2017 season. Yeah, Mason, like you said, and, and we're glad to have Roger Reina on. Uh, great interview. Um, really solid coaching staff from top to bottom. You got Pearsall, who was a, a local District 3 guy for me out of Warwick High School. He was always a really tough kid in high school and then made a lot of strides at Penn State and was a really solid guy in their lineup. Um, hard to not get better when you're wrestling guys like the Altons and, you know, all the guys that Penn State had in those light middle weights around the time he was there. 
Um, Chase Pammy, NCAA runner-up for Cal Poly uh, in the upper middleweights, and he's a guy that was still doing some freestyle just recently and was really close to making a world team a few years. And McMullen, like we said, the four-time All-American and NCAA finalist for Northwestern. Top to bottom, that's a pretty solid staff. And looking ahead to their team next year, um, not a team that has a ton of big names returning next year, but definitely a few big-name guys and a couple solid recruits that we've already seen committing. We talked about Doug Zapp, a, a PA state champ, AAA, 106 pounds for Downingtown West. He's going to be going there next year and will obviously look to fill out the 125 weight class. Jake Hendricks, also a, a Wyoming, Wyoming Seminary guy, so he wrestles in the national preps, um, a national prep placer and a Greco World Team member. He's in the upper middle weights. Um, and then some of the big name guys coming back, obviously. Mason, you want to take a look through the rest of their lineup for next year? Yeah, so Frank Matty Ace is definitely, I, you, you almost have to say, the biggest thing they have returning. 197 pounder, Blair Academy product out of New Jersey. Matty Ace is a guy that at every age has competed at a high level really hard guy to score on um always puts himself in a position to win matches maddie ace is a guy you could definitely see wrestling friday night saturday at the national tournament may Bethay, um another guy through the middle has had some good wins throughout his career at penn sure they're hoping to see big things out of him next year so those are really their two you know flag bearers so to speak for the this season um Younger brother, we have a younger brother on this roster of somebody else we talked about today, Jake Lezak, the little brother of Ethan Lezak, who is a returning national finalist from the University of Minnesota. Jake Lezak will be in contention to start at 133 next year. The Parkland product stayed closer to home than his big brother did, so that's always interesting. You know, you see his brother split up, but Jake Lezak looking to potentially be in the 133 spot. Going to be some new faces in the Quaker lineup. Uh, you know, like you said, get, they got some pretty high-level recruits coming in. And if you go back and look at past results from when Coach Rayner was there in years past, not to mention just knowing Brian Pearsall, Chase Pammy, Mike McMullen, the competitors that those guys were and are, you may not have the biggest names in America on this team yet. And I say yet because there are a few, few recruiters better than Roger Rayner. But you may not have the biggest names in America on this team yet. You know, maybe not the shock value of some other teams. But those guys are going to compete hard. If you go back to kind of Penn's heyday teams when Reyna was there in the early 2000s with the likes of Matt Valeni, the likes of Brett Motter, who was a national champ, uh, Yoshi Nakamura, who was a couple-time All-American, who there's another guy you ever get a chance, you're bored, sitting around, go dig up film of Yoshi Nakamura. He did some – that guy there, he did some cool things. He was fun to watch. Uh, Matt Feast, who was, a, I think, a three-time All-American and heavyweight. Those guys there, they were all recruits that Raina pulled in. You know, they have Brandon Slay running their regional training center. So Brandon Slay is not officially on staff, but will surely be involved in the development of these athletes, as well as the Olympic-level athletes that continue to train and try to make world Olympic teams there in Penn. So... I think Penn, you know, kind of like we talked about with Pitt last week, maybe not you look at right now, right this season, you know, is going to go, you know, burn everything to the ground and be in, a top, in the top 10 at the NCAA tournament. 
but it's a program that you're going to want to keep your eye on. These guys know what they're doing. That's been proven. Next few years, keep an eye on the University of Pennsylvania. They're coming. And you've already seen Reyna's influence in the month that he's been there with Hendricks, a Cadet Greco world team member, Doug Zapp, a state champ, both of those guys committing. So big things definitely to come from the Penn program, not just this coming season, but in the years to come. Yeah, Mason, as you said, uh, I let you take it because I wasn't sure how to pronounce his last name, but Frank Mattiase, um, two rounds away from All-American this year at 197. I remember keeping a close eye on that bracket because um, down in Old Dominion, our, our guy Kevin Beasley was an All-American this season, almost wrestled him in the blood round. He he lost a crazy, crazy match in the blood round, in the, sorry, in the round before the blood round to uh, Cash Wilkie from Iowa. I think he lost on a caution point or something crazy, but Matty Ace Yeah, really I forgot close. about that match. Yeah, he was he was deep into the bracket and got really close to that blood round. Um, May Bethea, like you said, also really good guy, um, been around for a few years now, and unfortunately he probably gets more fame for being the guy that got front-flipped by Jason Nolf and on viral on Flow Wrestling than, than for anything else, but that's unfortunate because the kid is actually really tough. And Come on, man. Why, why you got to bring it up? Uh, I'm sure. Know, I saw Nolf this, this past weekend at the Penn State camp, and uh, he was showing it as one of his main moves for technique, so it was fresh in my mind. Um, so I had to throw it out there. And then, like you said, Jake Lezak, also a guy that could be really solid here at 133. I mean, obviously, look at what his brother's done. And I want to say he was maybe the Lezak. There's a couple of them. I want to say he was the one who was maybe uh, a top dog to win the state title a couple years ago and, and didn't pass the skin check at at PIAA states um, might be incorrect. Yeah, that. that's right. I, I think, think that it, was no, Jake I, th- Lezak. I think you're right about that. I think that was Jake Lezak. So obviously that's a guy who, who could have been a Pennsylvania state champion. And then one thing else I want to throw out here, Mason, just looking through the roster here, I noticed that Penn Wrestling has a lot of Joes that have started in their roster. We got three returning starters or at least guys who have been in the lineup with the first name Joe. We got Joe Oliva who wrestled at the uh, around the 149 weight class and then joe veliquet who i remember was a tough guy around 165 he had a couple clashes with some of our guys down at old dominion and opens won a few opens at 165 and then lastly we had joe hayob at 184 who was also a guy that was in the lineup so a couple of joes to keep an eye on for penn next year as well maybe average joes well, I guess they're probably hoping to be above average joes pardon I'm my thinking, i'm thinking they might be above average with this coaching staff that that penn has concocted that's stuff, but hey, the average Joe's dodgeball team did make one of the better Cinderella runs as well as put together one of the best comebacks in history of sports. So, hey, not a bad comparison in my mind. I agree with that. You, you know, I think they they uh, recoined what it means to be an average Joe. So uh, we'll see if, if these Penn middle slash upper weight Joes can, uh, can have the Cinderella story and take down Globo Gym in a similar fashion. One more pertinent topic here that has just arisen in the last few days um we definitely needed to touch on before we closed out episode two mickey Philippi, three-time pennsylvania state champion out of dairy area high school down in uh, pittsburgh area um announced the other day he will be transferring to pittsburgh so that will be their second uh incoming transfer of the summer Philippi spent his redshirt season at uva down in Charlottesville, Virginia. Had a pretty solid uh, redshirt campaign. Yeah, so Mickey Phillippe, Dairy Area High School product. Um, you know, Dairy, they've had 
Darius had some studs. You know, Mickey was a three-time state champion, uh, four-time state medalist, went first, third, first, first in that order. Fellow Derriere alum include Jimmy Gillibon, obviously four-time state champ, um, Travis Schaefer, who was a state champ, and a little bit older, uh, more in your and I's wheelhouse, Tristan, Troy Dolan, who was a three-time state champ. So Derry, maybe not a program that you think of as a perennial powerhouse, but they certainly ter- have turned out some extremely high-level guys over the years. Philippi, like you said, transferred from UVA back home to Pitt at UVA as a red shirt. He compiled a 22-7 and record, uh, wrestled a 133 all year long. Placed at a number of opens, including titles. He won the Cyclone Open. He won the Cleveland State Open. Went two and two at the Southern Scuffle. So, Phillippe's a guy that you know maybe last year didn't blow your hair back as far as pulling a Mark Hall and winning the Southern Scuffle and all these other things as a redshirt as a as a true freshman. But very solid year. That redshirt year is a huge position, especially at a school with academics like UVA. 22-7 and seven record is nothing to, you know, nothing to shake a stick at. So I'm sure that Coach Gavin, Headley, Lean, and you'd see that they're looking for big things out of Mickey. You know, whether he stays at 133, moves up or down, you know, where he goes weight-wise is anybody's guess. But that's definitely a huge addition to the Pitt program, along with uh, Kellen Stout, our guest last week and you know transfer from penn state so it's definitely a good sign that these guys are coming home for the pit program i i mean in a span of what's it been a couple of months since since keith took the job there at pit but he's starting to see that effect with this new coaching staff that these kids want to be part of the pit program they want to be part of their hometown city's program so it's definitely exciting it's good to see it's good for south southwestern pennsylvania wrestling for whippeal wrestling you know and i'm sure everybody around the pit program is excited about mickey coming home and being part of that program all right and i think that's going to just about do it for us on episode two you know just to kind of run through it again first and foremost we want to one last time send our condolences to the family and friends of chris bentley and the entire uh trinity renegade force that entire wrestling family our condolences go out to you guys we ran through the recruiting roundup, those guys committing, previewed some of the 125-pounders at Pennsylvania schools and natives, Nick Suriano rumors, some of the best college wrestlers you can find on the Twitter, uh, best PA guys to never win an NCAA title, quite a list. Those guys, if you ever get a chance, YouTube them, Google them, some great film out there. Maybe you youngsters can learn learn a few things. So those guys there, some of the best technique around. Roger Reyna, the new and former head coach at the University of Pennsylvania, joined us, gave us a lot of points, a lot of tips, and just insight into Penn Wrestling and where that program is headed. We previewed the Penn Wrestling program for 2017. Um, you know, We're looking forward to doing Episode 3 next week. Thank you to everybody who joined us. Obviously, any and all feedback, keep it coming. We love hearing from you guys. We always want to make this program better for you, our listeners. So anything that you have, topics potential improvements for the program send it our way we'll do our best to work it and keep doing our best for you like you said mason that's going to wrap it up for us here at the pa power college podcast we really do appreciate everybody for dialing in i'm tristan warner find me on twitter at warn triz and i'm mason beckman find me on twitter at beck underscore diggity guys visit papowerwrestling.com for all your wrestling needs and be sure to follow us on twitter at papowerwrestle and friend us on facebook Stay classy, wrestling fans. Until next time.